Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MamaCast. It's Lauren Jean, your host, and I have a very special show for you this week. I told you last week when I released the surprise show, although these are all surprise shows, more becoming planned, but whatever. Um, I have Dan Fields on today, and I even told him this, and he kind of laughed, but I know he liked it. I told him that he's kind of a celebrity in my world because I am a podcast junkie, and podcasts are a very intimate form of media, right? The person is in your ear all of the time if you are a constant listener of their show, So when I actually got to speak with him on the phone, it was exciting. It was fun. I loved doing it and just talking to him, real, getting his opinion on things. I mean, we talked about so many things. We talked about having gratitude, about not blaming your kids for things. We joked about quitting your job and getting divorced and the benefits of that. We spoke on female body image and, oh my goodness, so many other things. So Dan is from Save It for the Show. He is a devoted father and husband. He's got two children and he works a full-time job plus producing the show, Save It for the Show, with his brother-in-law, Eddie. I'm not going to hold you back anymore. We're going to get right into the show. So here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another show. This is Lauren, your host, and today I have a special show, first of all, because it is one that was not so much planned because we're in the month of July, and I said I was going to stop the season in June, and I just can't seem to stop myself because it's addictive, and I just don't want to stop. So putting out this show, I reached out to a past guest who was on, oh my god, June of 2015 when I first started doing this show. And he was part of the dad interviews for Father's Day where I was asking dads, you know, what it was like to be a dad, experiences, stories, stuff like that. So I had, actually no, I think you, Dan, had found me or someone connected us through Mm -hmm. a Facebook group because I was looking for dads to interview. And I don't think it was you who reached out. I think someone threw your name out there. Think yeah. I'm remembering that correctly. That sounds right. Yeah. So we connected and we had, you know, our interview, our nice, clean dad interview. And then I listened to your show. <laughs> <laughs> and that changed everything. And I was like, wow, this guy is real. And I was still kind of not broken out of my shell at that point in time because mm-hmm. I really hadn't figured out who the hell I was. And I didn't know I was headed down that road. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to all types of shows and yours was just on my list because I had talked to you personally and when I talk to someone personally, I like to get to know them a little bit better. Sure. And I couldn't stop listening to your show. Oh, thanks. And it was just so raunchy and disgusting and I was hooked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but charming. I, I like to say it's filthy, but it doesn't make you feel bad or creepy listening to it. No, it totally doesn't. It really doesn't. And I really feel like because you're not just, you know, some random guy out there who's, you know, single bachelor out there telling these disgusting stories, you're a devoted father and husband. And I think that makes it funnier and more digestible in a way. Yeah. And I really respect that. And it's really cool that, I mean, I don't know how, how cool your wife is with you doing this, but she seems to go along with it. And I know she's even been on some of the shows before. So I just think that's really cool because I don't know how many spouses would be able to handle that type of thing with, you know, their personal stuff just thrown out there for anyone to listen to. (laughs) I'd be be lying if I said I've never gotten in trouble a couple times. And my wife is a saint, but the way I am on the show is, is truly how I am in real life. So she's used to hearing my shit and weird tales and things, you know, for the 15 or so years we've been together. And funny enough, like her friends listen, you know, I think my mother-in-law listens to the show too, but my wife does not. And she jokes because she hears it enough. Like she hears 
my podcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So listening to an extra hour of it, she just doesn't need it. And odds are typically when I tell a story on the show, I've already told it to her or mentioned it to her. But there have been a couple times where she just doesn't like when I go into real graphic detail and describe parts of her body or <laughs> things like that. And so I'll draw the line. And I certainly want to respect her wishes, but she knows she would never tell me like to quit the show. She knows I enjoy it and a lot of people like it too. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's I really feel like it's a strong uh, part of a relationship is to just, you know, really trust someone and know that they're just being who they are, not, you know, out to get anyone. You're just, you're just being yourself. But yeah, I can understand why she wouldn't listen because she lives with you. She's married to you. You guys said you've been together 15 years. You've been together. We've been married 12, but I think we dated probably two or three years before we got married. That's pretty cool. So it's cool. been a while. Yeah. So it's not like, I mean, I do use the show to meet chicks, <laughs> to like get laid on the side, of course, because that's why everyone does this. No, I mean, clearly I'm not doing the show to meet women or to become rich and famous. I have a day job. And so it's almost just a, a surprising effect that it's become popular and that people like it. I really did it as a way just to have a thing to do, because like you said, I am a dad and I'm married and I have a job. And I think it's hard sometimes as a person. And I think you have the same thing going on where you need to have a thing like an outlet and there's so many ways to whether you're blogging or a photographer and doing all these and having a podcast is just another one of them that folks like you and me have gravitated towards yeah definitely I love it and I've been through so many different platforms but the podcasting has really helped to break me out of my shell like I'm so much more confident and I had a real problem with that. But doing the podcasting, just sort of getting on and talking was a very hard thing for me at first. And even to just be myself. Like I told you before we got on, I had more of a structure. And I kind of mm -hmm. got bored with that. And then just learning to just sort of go with the flow and relax. Just like it's a conversation, you know. It's, there's no one looking at you while you're doing this. You're, right. and, and even right now, as we're recording, no one is listening. They'll be listening right. when they hear it. But like it's just to me and you chatting and enjoying some good conversation. And I love that because it's something that I've been able to really stick to. And obviously you, because you've been you're going on four years at this point. So it's something that you truly love to do and look forward to each week. Completely. And and you're totally right about it making you better. I mean, if you were a blogger, let's say, and you were writing and, and honing your craft, like inevitably that makes its way into your life, into your own job. And for doing a podcast, if anyone is nervous about thinking on their feet or interviewing people, I mean, there's no way better to get better at that kind of stuff than doing a podcast. And I, for my job, I, I'm in sales and I give presentations and I talk to people and I have to be interesting and funny and witty. And it's only made me better at that. And sometimes like my show is really gross and my job, I certainly don't act like that right off the bat. But I think the people that in my professional world that do listen, they see me as much more of a real person, like you said, and not just another business guy. Like they almost, it, it's broken down, I think, a lot of doors for me professionally. And, and, you know, maybe there are people that have been turned off and think I'm weird and lewd and gross, but I think it's, <laughs> that's much more the minority, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely is. And I feel like when you're in, a business like you have to wear a suit and you got the nine to five or the corporate or whatever you have to be a certain way and I think that's why I never got into that type of thing I was there I worked in mortgages for like six months for a friend and I'm like I can't I can't do this anymore because I hate mm -hmm. what you do yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's gonna kill me slowly <laughs> and I, I like I got out of that and I was I was a personal trainer at the time and then now I'm working for Trader Joe's which I still am and I love and I know you guys have tons of them out there oh it's my I, I went to Trader Joe's yesterday it's my absolute favorite not only grocery store but a place to go I look forward to going there every week that's what people love and it's it's kind of cool because I can really I could be myself I get there at four o'clock in the morning and we get our truck and I pop in my earbuds and I put on your show because that's, that's how I wake up. It Aww. really is how I wake up. And for a while I was listening to, you know, self-development stuff and I kind of got overwhelmed with that. And I had stopped listening to your show for a little while. And then it's because my, um, my eye 
po- my podcast icon on my phone decided to take a shit when I upgraded mm. it. So I lost everything. And I stopped listening to podcasts for a little while. And then I got back onto it. And I suddenly I remembered. I was like, I need something funny. I need something funny. And I'm like, oh, shit. I need to get that show back. So I started listening to it again. And really, I've been really just listening to that at work because it keeps my energy level up. And when I'm actually laughing out loud, people are just staring at me. And... <laughs> I was listening the other day to the one that the hell I don't remember the name. Something with an elephant. Oh, uh, hair and elephant's butt or something. Yes, yes. I really i I stopped working at one point because I could not control my laughter, and I had about five Aww. people staring at me. I was like, "Oh my god!" So I went to the bathroom to just like calm myself down. <laughs> That's too nice. That's hilarious. It was. It was a riot. So uh, it's nice to start a day off with you know laughter. But anyway. Getting off track, going back to, you know, working at Trader Joe's, it's been sort of a blessing because I can be myself there. I can go in the morning, I can listen to the show, I can laugh and dance and sing. You can't do that at a corporate job where you're expected to be a certain way. Right. It's just not me to be boring. I can't be boring. I can't, it it would just, my life would be miserable. So, you know, being there and doing that kind of thing and then coming home early enough where I can do my podcast while my daughter's in school or when she's with her dad, it gives me plenty of time. So I'm like, I'm creating this life that I want to live and that I'm not, it's not sucking the life out of me. And the podcast really helps that. And it's, it's amazing, you know, what you can do with your life when you really find what you want to do and you just go for it and you stick with it and you know, it becomes addictive. It really does. Well, I know that sounds like complete horseshit. And typically it seems only successful people that have found what they love and are doing their passion for a living. Those are the people that always talk about saying, take a risk. And, you know, if you don't like your job, just quit. Just quit your job and find a new job. And for some people, the notion of that is terrifying, as it should be, because anyone that says to just go for things and to find a passion, they're not saying quit your job. But I still think there is a way where if a person like you, like you said, was working in real estate or doing some bank job, you wouldn't be as good at it as you would be if you were doing something you enjoyed. So it's not like you can't find a job that works. You really, you got to try as hard as you can and it's out there. And, you know, for some people working a nine to five, that's very corporate and finance driven. They love that shit. They shouldn't be working at Trader Joe's being fun and laid back and silly. That's not what they want to do. So I don't know. I'm lucky too. Like I found a job and a career that I love and it suits me and my lifestyle. And it took me a long time to get here and figure it out. And of course there were years where I, every Sunday night I had the Sunday blues and I was depressed as shit about having to go to work on Monday. That's kind of part of the deal too, but you just got to keep looking. You just got to keep trying. Yeah, it's definitely so true. I mean, there are definitely people out there who thrive on, on that type of thing. And they have the life that they love. And you know what? That's amazing. Because, I mean, we all need to do something different. Otherwise, we'd all be the same. And then that would be boring, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or find something outside of work. I mean, I think that's the other thing. I'm lucky that I I used to work with a lot of guys who had kids. And I think it, a lot of men especially, they'll they go to work to get away from their family. And all they talk about is how much they their family's a pain in the ass and their wife is a pain in the ass. And you know, but they they act so miserable. And it's like, well, then you need to change something, man. Like your life's not going to change unless you do. And not to get all Tony Robbins here or, or anything, <laughs> but you really got to make your own happiness. I try to tell it to my kids all the time. Like, try to choose to be happy. You have to try to be happy. It's your body. I feel like the world doesn't want us to be happy. It's like constantly crushing us and pushing us down, especially today and all that's going on. And then when I wake up in the morning and I kind of consciously say to myself, be patient with the kids. Just don't let them get under your skin. Be happy. I have always have a much better day than when I wake up all pissed off and then the kids act pissed off. And then it just it, good makes good. And, you know, like I said, not to be a, a guru here, but try to take my own advice. It's true. It's be happy. Yeah, it definitely is true. And it's a great thing to teach your kids. I mean, I know I'm trying to teach that to my daughter and she wakes up you know, happy singing, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is great. You're a kid, be a kid, have fun and just continue to act and feel like a kid. I know I don't feel my age and I'm 37. 
I certainly don't feel 37 and I see, you know, people my age that are just, just dragged down. And I'm like, you need to, you know, you need to work on something because it's, it's your life and you want to enjoy it. You don't want to be in a boring life that's just sucking you. And <laughs> yeah. I was there, I was there at one point, not for a long time. And I don't know, maybe I just, I've really never had a job that I hated because I wouldn't allow it. And I've, never had a life that I hated for too long mm -hmm. and I've been through a lot of shit I've been married twice so mm. to get through that and still feel amazing and great is to me a huge accomplishment and yeah. it's a scary thing because I know a lot of people that stay in marriages stay in situations that they're just not happy with because they just feel like that's it and this is how life is supposed to be but right. I just I don't accept that I really don't accept that I know, yeah, and good for you for knowing when to pull the cord and and get out of something, especially with a child involved. It's that's such a hard decision to make. But I, I don't think there's anyone who had a miserable relationship that ended up getting a divorce and then seeing their children. Like I, and on my cul-de-sac, there's a handful of folks that the children are from divorced houses, and I couldn't imagine if my wife and I hated each other that much and we stuck together for the kids. Like, what is this for the kids nonsense? Where Instead, I could have married a new woman and be so happy and healthy, and my wife could marry another guy and be happy. And that's just the new normal these days versus, I think, this old thought like you just grind it out for 18 years, be miserable, and then maybe the kids will be okay after that. And meanwhile, the two complete shining examples of their life, all they do is fight and hate each other. Who wants to be around that? You're better off being alone and happy and having a broken home than you know two parents that just fucking hate each other that, that's no way to live no it's definitely not definitely not and we did it when she was two and a half so she doesn't really know much mm. but uh me and her dad we get along great now we're great friends we can talk on the phone i go there and we talk about her she plays you know it's it's nice we were better um we're better friends than we are you know, partners, and he's now remarried, and my daughter loves his wife, and that's a whole other thing. That's just a that's a thing I have. I'm I'm not crazy about my daughter having another mother figure, but sure, they get along great, and she takes wonderful care of her. So I really I've gotten through this. Me and him have gotten through this as a team. Nice, um, better than we did married because we always said we're going to stay out of court, and the key here is to think of her first. We've always mm -hmm. thought of her first in anything that we ever did. So anytime I get upset about something, I think about her. And is this good for her? Yes. Okay, then just shut up. I tell myself, just shut up. And, uh, <laughs> not to say it's easy, but no. it makes the situation a little bit better knowing that she is happy and she's never seen us fight. And she can see that we can get along and that we could talk to each other and have a conversation while she plays and it's just it's a good feeling and you know at the same time I don't need to deal with him every day of my life just maybe yeah. once a week exactly so it's exactly. like it's like a godsend in uh in all ways so totally totally yeah making it making it work for the kids that's just that's not gonna work you're just gonna end up hating each other well you're actually not I think in a roundabout way you think you're doing it for the kids but you're not and you're not doing it for yourself and you're going to get out of this thing and be miserable and then maybe you end up getting divorced anyways but by then I don't know you're in your 50s and it's even harder or something once the kids are growing up so I don't know yeah so here the moral of the story is quit your job get divorced I mean that's the two bullet points that I'm trying to give out to your listeners yes yes you know what <laughs> I've talked to so many of my friends and they're married not all of them are, I can't say they're, they're not miserable, but they don't get to do the things that they want to do because they're married and they have kids. So I say, you know what the pro you know what the problem is? I said, you're married. I said, I have the best situation ever. I have, I'm divorced. I have my daughter half the time. He has her half the time. I can do whatever the fuck I want when I want to. And I don't have to let him know anything. It's great. And they look at me like yeah. I'm crazy. Because I have, a very, no, right. I have a very different situation. I know there's a lot of couples or divorced couples out there who, you know, maybe the husband has the kids every other weekend or there's this huge fight or someone's a drug addict and they're in court all the time. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. she's 50-50 yeah. and she's got a set schedule where I, cool. I have her, um, I get her Wednesday afternoon. 
I have her Thursday, Friday, up until Saturday night. He's got her the rest of the week. So I've got three and a half days to myself. What nice. is better than that? <laughs> I mean, you're making this sound pretty good. I don't know. I might have to draft a letter to my wife, get an attorney or something. Because I, I, I like to joke that, like, you know, your my kids ate my dreams or, you know, your kids, <laughs> just stuff like that. And it's true. In a way, they, they eat what I think you thought your dreams were, like, I never wanted to be a stand-up comedian or anything like that, but the thought of like, you know, when I do this comedy podcast, uh, I should move to L.A. and I'm going to write a sitcom or a book. I mean, I think it's easy to fantasize about that. And then a lot of people might get angry like, oh, you know, I could do that if it wasn't for my kids or my wife. But it's like you're fooling yourself. If I really thought I was going to move to L.A. to chase a dream like that. That's a little different than trying to find a job that suits your abilities and your tastes. That's that's a crazy, crazier dream. And you know what? Look, if I was, I'm 35, I didn't have any kids or a wife, great. I'll move to L.A., I'll sleep on someone's floor, and I'll, I'll try to make it work. But that's just not the way it is, and um, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely awesome. I mean, it's definitely nice to, to dream and, and have fun with that, but it's like you're really happy where you are and you're doing what you love to do. So there you go. You got your life and you love it. And totally. it's, it's awesome. But like there's so many different ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's the way I joke with my friends and uh, they, they all get a kick out of it because they know all the, all the shit that I've been through. And uh, I'm just, I'm not one to stick with something that I hate to do. And um, it's got me through a, a whole lot of stuff. Not saying it was ever easy, but I'm just more of a go-getter. And if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to show you that I can. And, nice. uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was working on with, uh, with this podcast and my ex-husband. I actually had asked him to be on the show for the dad ah. show and he's just not a very social person. And then he listened to one of my shows on how divorce drastically changed my life. And he's like, wow, did, did you really mean that? I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, mm. I didn't know you were going to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's funny how things work funny. out. Just the way, you know, the way they're supposed to. Now he's happy. I'm happier than I've ever been. It, it all works out in the end. And That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. But That's um, awesome. I want to get back to your show because I fucking love it. And you, you say that, and I really do believe this. You say that you have a lot of moms listening. And yeah. I can totally get that um, because I really feel like moms are under so much stress these days because we're all working and then we come home, we've got the kids and, you know, maybe the partner's not as helpful as you want to. I don't know the situation, but I really feel like it's an outlet to just kind of forget things and just laugh your ass off to the point where you almost want to pee in your pants because you know what? I've been there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. It happens. Yeah, really. And um... you know what it is, honestly, there's this sort of idea, I think, that women aren't gross, that women, you know, aren't nasty, that women don't talk about sex or anything like this. And it's, it's so more the opposite, especially moms. All moms, especially young moms, talk about is shit and poop and breastfeeding and it's it's painful and then their nipples are bleeding and they talk about sex nonstop. I mean, it's insane to think to that women don't talk about that so of course they would like any show and i think the other universal truth is that everyone is kind of weird and kind of gross and most people just they're a little embarrassed and and i and i have i do put a lot out there on the show and i think a lot of it makes people squirm and it like you said it's a lot easier because i just do the show with my brother-in-law and tim and i in our my office recording the show and i just look at him and i regale him with these filthy stories but that's just kind of like, I think since the beginning of time, people just sit around and try to make each other laugh. And I, could I do it on a stage in front of, you know, hundreds of people? Maybe it'd be a little harder to, you know, say that I fucked a couch when I was a kid or, you know, just like <laughs> weird stuff like that. But then again, maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know. Maybe that's what I should do. I should go down to the local library and get on stage there and, and do, tell these stories. But The local library, that would be a good place to start. <laughs> I think yes, and then get arrested promptly. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, but everyone I feel like has these stories they share, and everyone likes to laugh, like you said, and everyone likes a good fart joke. So why not? And I think, yeah, I kind of assumed when I started the show 
everybody listening would be a 20 to 30 year old guy, you know, like that. But I get so many emails and, and most of them are from women or older guys. And it's really cool to have tapped into that. You know what it is too? Well, there's two things. The first thing is, you know, when you're younger, I think you're so wrapped up in yourself and some of these kids don't even know what a podcast is. They haven't right. broken out into that. They're still on, you know, Snapchat and Facebook and the other um, platforms of social media. Mm-hmm. And second of all, I really feel like, um, oh shit, what was my second point? I totally forgot it. Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, when I think about two things, I should have written it down, but I have nothing next to me. I'm just like sitting on my bed here. But um, <laughs> see, this is what I mean. Like, you know, it just tends to be ramble sometimes. Yeah, but, why not? Oh, no. Okay, this, the second point was women in the eye of the public are supposed to look perfect and right. pretty and presentable. When in real life, I mean, what I talk about with my friend Val, who I do the other segment of the show, like when we talk, we talk about the most disgusting things. Like she knows everything about me. I know everything about her. And we started yeah. bringing that onto the show. And I'm like, Val, I think we need to make this a whole other show. But I'm at the same time, I'm like, but this is what they like to listen to, you know, because right. it's a nice totally. mix. And like, we don't hold anything back, but you're, but you're right when it's like, you know, people are naturally disgusting. It's just how, it's just how life is. And you know what? It's funny. You want to laugh. You want Mm -hmm. to laugh because life can be stressful. Life can be hard. And you know, it's, it's boring to have to be, you know, a certain way because that's what women are. You know what? Women are not like that. They don't want to be like that all the time. And the ones who try to be like that, I just want to smack them because it's not real. It's just, there's too many women that are fake out there. And maybe that's why I don't have a lot of friends that are girls. I've got a lot more friends that are kind of relaxed guys or I have a few close friends. They're like maybe three or four close girlfriends that Mm -hmm. I can talk about this kind of stuff with and just be real because my personality is not a fake one. And it's like, if you don't, like what I'm talking about, you you can go away. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel bad for women that feel that much pressure because they're not doing it for men. And even if they say they are, let me tell you, men don't care. They're doing it for other women where they feel like I need to have on a full face of makeup and, and do my hair every day. Guys don't care at all. And they really, really don't. Like I feel like anytime when I was dating and even with my wife now, it's I don't want her to look perfect because I know how much pressure and stress and time goes into all that. But I feel like a lot of women feel pressure from other women to have to look like that. And then those women feel pressure from other women. It's just like weird circle where everyone's chasing each other. When if everyone could just like take a breath and relax, everyone would be a lot more happy. It's true. It's true. And actually, that's another thing I wanted to um, bring up. Because I wanted to have your opinion on this months ago, and we just never connected. But when I started doing the, all the shows about like the body image, right? I talked to lots of different women because um, I actually went through an eating disorder myself, and that's when the show took a change and a real shift. Mm. And I started talking to all these emotional eating coaches and just trying to like learn about it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? All these women have been through stuff, but I have yet to get a man's opinion on this like I know men go through this kind of thing as well but like you were saying you don't really care if your wife gets all you know dressed up and and that kind of thing of course you want her to sure. here and there you you know of you course. don't want her to look like crap all the time and you know right. she doesn't want to either but there's sometimes where you just want to sit back and relax and just you know roll out of bed and do whatever on a you know Saturday or a Sunday but yeah it's like I really feel like and the same thing you said, it's, I feel like it's more of a competition between women and yet they might think they're doing it for a man, but women compare themselves constantly to other women. And I've done it myself. I still do in my own head. And that's one thing I'm trying to break out of, you know, I'll get all dressed up, feel great. And then I go out and then it's all this comparison, this noise in your head. And Mm -hmm. then you suddenly feel like shit about yourself. And you're right. It's not about the guy who you're trying to get his attention or whatever, you're comparing yourself to the women. You're not comparing yourself to the men. Because right. my opinion, and tell me if I'm wrong, men don't care. It's like, 
I've seen the difference with confident women and women who are trying their best to look their best. And it's a, it's a different vibe that I get. What do you think about that? No, you're totally right. It's, it's a, it's a confidence thing and it's an attention thing. You know, I feel like a woman who is funny and tries and is approachable and does, I don't know, like if you're dating a guy and you make him feel special, you don't make him feel special with your face and your makeup and your hair. You do it by listening to him and making him feel good about himself and helping build up his confidence and you work off of each other. And to me, all the relationships I had that I enjoyed the most, they weren't with the women that were the hottest. I mean, I feel like those women get in the door easier potentially because they rely on their looks, but then that's all they really have going for them. They, I don't know, this is like a, probably people have been saying this forever. Like if they're, if that's all they have to rely on, you know, if you don't have that, then you become funnier or more confident or you find out what works and you use that for you. But that's the thing that makes people fall in love with you. Like you don't fall in love with someone just because of the way their hair is. It's, it's everything else about them that makes you fall in love. So Yes, on Instagram and on Facebook and when you're on Snapchat, these like one-off fake views that you may want to do, that's fine. But in real life, yeah, it's it's just not as important. I don't know. I'm lucky that my wife, you know, she doesn't – when she gets done up and like you said, of course I love when she looks beautiful and does her hair and wears makeup and da-da-da. But I'm just as happier with her when she doesn't. And I don't know, if you're a gal who feels like your husband – wants that or, or forces that or you can't leave the house without it uh, that's terrible like the amount of time that you must have to spend doing that I just I feel sorry for you that sucks yeah yeah it it I mean I've never really been in that situation and this might sound bad but I haven't really cared about that most of my life so I've been pretty relaxed most of my life but I can understand and I I even had friends that you know did that they can't leave the house without makeup like, god forbid they do that Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I go to work and I don't wear anything and I'm perfectly okay with that. Like I feel good about that and whatever. I'm not, yeah. you know, trying to oppress anyone. In my heart, I'm trying to just be comfortable with myself. Yeah. And uh, I think it's such a hard thing for women to do, again, because of all this social media crap and this, you know, fashion and all. Ugh, it's just, it's a lot of stress on so many women out there and it's starting young now too. And mm -hmm. I'm just like terrified for when my daughter gets to be like a teenager. She even came, she's eight years old. It was last year. She was in first grade. She came in to me and she said, mommy, do I look fat? I'm like, oh my God, we are not Ugh. starting this. You are 40, yeah. 40 pounds. Right. <laughs> it's Seriously. Just, I had to just like put a stop to that. And then when she tells me that she's got friends that wear two piece bathing suits, I'm like, You're in second grade. Yeah. This is what's uh -oh. out there and this is what I'm desperately trying to protect her from and you know other girls this this is just not right. It's just it's gotten way worse. I don't remember being like that when I was a kid worrying about that kind of thing. But I don't it, know. I, I I don't get it. <laughs> it's always it's always been that way for guys and but at least in terms of making fun of each other like if my sons call each other stupid or dumb, of course I don't want them to. But if I hear my kids call someone fat or they call each other fat and one of my sons is a little heavier than my other son, just I mean, they're 10 and eight years old. So it's not because they sit around and eat Cheetos all day. Just one of my kids carries more weight. And but ironically, because he, I think, feels less comfortable in his own skin, he'll call his brother like, you know, like a big, fat, stupid person or something like that. And that I just I draw the line there like I. Because I remember being a kid and being a little heavier and getting made fun of. And it's terrible and it's crushing and it makes you just feel like complete shit. And so kind of like what you said about, you know, guys having an eating disorder. Yeah, I mean, so many do, but it's almost something like you would never talk to another guy friend about that, even though guys will, can overeat. And it's almost seen as a good thing. Like, you know, if you can go to a bar and eat 400 chicken wings, that's amazing. And you, you, you win an award for that and you get free beer and it's, it's great and binge drinking and all that. And now that I'm getting older and I find myself like, I like snacks. Like I will destroy the pantry. I could go in the pantry and just hang out. Like it's a room in my house and just graze for an hour. And it's always when I'm stressed out or it's always when I feel bad or when work's not going good. I, I like to celebrate with alcohol, but when I'm bummed out, I like to eat 
snacks. I mean, guys go through it too, but yeah, there's a stigma as men to not talk about that or to certainly ask for help with it. Yeah, yeah, I can totally get that because you don't really hear much about that with guys. But it's, you know, we're all emotional eaters. That's just, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just, it's a term that's used. And mm-hmm. we're using it to, to hide something, to cover something up. And it's normal. And we right. all go through it. But yeah, there, there are ways to go through it. But like you said, you hang out in the pantry. That's, uh, I, I had a picture in my head of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but think about it, though. Like whenever my kids do something good, it's like, oh, let's go get ice cream or any holiday, any event. It's like pizza and, and food. And that's just I don't know. I try really hard and it's really hard in my house to not reward things with food. But it's so easy. And it, it's such like a it's, it's woven into the fabric fabric of like American culture to like, hey, you got straight A's in your report card. Let's go out to pizza. Let's go get ice cream instead of like, let's go, I don't know, like do something together mm-hmm. as a family. But I mean, you really got to try to do that stuff because otherwise, I think with my own kids, I don't want to create this environment where the only way they ever feel rewarded is with food. Yeah, and it's everywhere. It's, it's in the schools. I mean, there's a... This program that the school does, and I'm sure there's tons of elementary schools that do it, but, you know, a reading program, okay? You know, the class wins um, how, many, how many minutes. They get a freaking ice cream party. I'm like, what is that about? And this is supposed to be a school that has, like, you know, a wellness program. I said, there's no wellness about that yeah. at all, at all. It's just, it's all over the place. And it is definitely a societal thing from, you know, beginning of time. That's just what we celebrate with, food and drink. You know, right. you go out with a friend, you don't say, oh, let's go for a walk. You know, maybe that's included in it, but it's like, hey, let's grab a drink, you know, after work. If you want to grab a drink, let's go grab dinner. It's just, it's part of our society and it would almost be kind of weird to not have that part. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing, but it's just, it's used too much, especially with children because that's how they're, they're trained that way to be for life. Totally. And, and you know, it's funny too, like you say, hey, you had a bad week. Let's grab a drink, you know, blow off some steam or, oh, my gosh, you got a promotion. Let's grab a drink. Like there is no <laughs> It could go instance. either way. Exactly. Yeah. Where grabbing a drink just doesn't feel right. Yeah, it really doesn't. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, bad week, good week. Let's just drink. Just just drink for, for no reason at all. I know. Nothing well, my, to do. Let's grab a drink. <laughs> and then obviously, and then right away you're doing something. Grabbing a drink is, is worth it. I, I try not to drink during the week. That's like the way I, I work best is when I have rules and like if it's a diet, like a lot of people, the stricter the rules are, I feel like they, they want to rebel against that. But I'm pretty type A. And so when I have like strict rules, it works. And I try really hard. Don't drink during the week, Danny. Be a good boy. And then on the weekend, you can binge drink and have like 800 beers and it's okay. But during the week, just be a good boy. It's got to be so hard though. Because like I dropped I all of the rules. I really did after I went through that eating disorder. I was good. very much a, uh, not into like fad diets. I never did that. I really never felt like I had a body issue. But deep down inside, I know I did. It's mm-hmm. just because the results of doing that is, you know, energy and feeling better. So that's what I mainly did it for. But the weight loss came with it. And that's the excitement. That's most mm. the excitement. So when I finally realized what the hell I was doing, and it was more of not like an anorexia or bulimia, it was orthorexia. It's like perfection in eating. And mm. everything had to be perfect. And it basically interrupted my whole life because I would have to, I would worry about what's going to be at a restaurant and what's in this and what's in that. And label reading. It was going into my daughter too. Oh, she was yeah, worried yeah. about about a lot of things, and then I'm like, I gotta stop this. So I kind of reversed it, and now I do whatever the hell I want. And I did that. It's it's coming on a year where I was just eating shit and drinking not not a lot, but drinking more than I normally would because I'm not really a drinker. And mm-hmm. I stopped working out completely because that was another one of my things. And it was about a month ago is when I started getting back into it, but because I wanted to, not because I felt like I should or I have to. It was like, mm. hey, I want to do this again. And it's like the healthy eating came back into play and the workouts, I did it because I wanted to do it. And there was no restrictions. When I put restrictions on myself, that's when I find myself doing the binging. And yeah. it's, it's too much. It's too much pressure. So like, even if I decide I'm going to you know, try to do like a mini thing for a couple of days, if I have plans, I said, oh, fuck it. I'm not doing it. 
and I'm okay with that now. When in the past, I would be like, oh my God, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't go out this weekend. I'm just, I'm done with that. I want to live life. I want to have fun. And, you know, you can't prevent anything that might happen to you in your life, which is the main reason why I was doing it. I was trying to prevent any kind of sickness that might come my way. And that's just fucking impossible. You can't. Totally. Especially think about the stress I was putting on myself to then get to there. And what does stress do to you? It makes you sick. So right. you, you can't win either way. It just doesn't work. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even care. And because I have two days off during the week, I work on the weekends, two split days during the week, you know. I'll come home at noon, and there was one point where I found, you know, that not your father's root beer. Have you heard of oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that. That was a bad thing because I, <laughs> I, I, I love root beer. I don't yeah. really drink soda. I don't drink soda at all. And I found myself just buying a six-pack from work, right? And mm -hmm. at first, it lasted me like three weeks. And then I found myself having one every single day. And, yeah. I was, and I'm a lightweight, very lightweight. So I'd be like buzzed at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, my God, this is not cool. I have to yeah. go to the bus stop in an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So those kind of things, yes. I, uh, I put more of a restriction on those types of things. But... Well, it sounds corny, but like you said, it's got to be, what do they say? It's a live it, not a diet. And yeah. it's a life, it's a lifestyle, but it really is. I, and I'm the same way. Like I, I did Atkins once and I did just all those things. And I, I should take back what I say about rules. Like I don't mean like fads per se, but when I do tell myself to be strict, but I still have to do it on my own accord. Like you said, yeah. I, I still have to want to do it and I still need to be in that right frame of mind. And, and I'm there now. So yeah, like I... I, I cut back naturally. I, I've started working out again naturally, and of course, the results are better, and I'm happier for it. And it's this is where you got to get to. Otherwise, if you force yourself, you'll never stick with it, like you said. Yeah, yeah, because it's too like, hard. I have to do this. You want to rebel against it, like you said. It's it's in us naturally. We want to do the bad because it feels good, and that's crazy, but it's true. Totally, it's totally. so true. It's like the girl going for the bad boy. You know, it's. It's a, it's an attraction kind of thing. It's like, oh, yes. I, I shouldn't do this, so I want to do that. And I have done that many times in my life, and I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't end up anywhere good. It's just we do everything for a feeling. That's my, my true belief. We do things to feel a certain way. Mm, and, yes. Uh, I've had a hard time finding something that goes against that. I'm still looking yeah. for something, but I haven't come across that at all. Yeah, seriously. Oh my goodness. But um, I want to ask you something too. And I think this is just a stupid question. And I know you're good with those. So I know I'm going to be able to ask yeah. you this. And I'll, <laughs> pro I'll probably get a laugh, but I'm very curious. All right. I posted a photo on Instagram. I was near the pool. Mm -hmm. And I just got like the responses. And also when I've gone on Periscope, all guys can do is comment on boobs. What the hell is it? why like why I don't I don't <laughs> understand I stopped going on Periscope and when I was going on Periscope it was to talk about um the podcasting and mm -hmm. all I would get with these disgusting guys making comments yeah and I'm just like okay I, I don't understand I'm a girl I'm not into girls so I'm mm -hmm. like what is the fascination with men and boobs like can you explain this ah uh, well <laughs> <laughs> two two things. One, the people on the internet are the worst. Just no matter what, if it was knees that we were attracted to, they would be making gross comments about your knees. Like there's just there's an anonymity that comes with the internet that makes everyone super brave and bold and things that they would never in their million years say to your face. But for boobs, I don't get it either. And my wife will be the first person to tell you. Like I'm I'm a super boob guy. And it's almost like I don't make a conscious decision to be that way, but I can't help it. Like the other day, I met my friend's girlfriend, and it was at a wedding, and she had on a super low cut dress, and like I, it was it took me physical effort to not look at her boobs. Like <laughs> this is a good friend of mine. I'm standing next to my wife. I just met this girl. She didn't have on something crazy, but they were just there, and she was young and you know like super fit. But like I just almost instinctually, and I couldn't. I'm. I, I really am. I'm disgusting, but I am a gentleman, and I'm not a, a pervert. But I seriously, it was hard for me to not look at her, and I. I, I don't know why. And I joked with my wife about it, and we laughed because it's kind of true. And I, I'm really not. This is a cop out for like me, like you know, checking out a girl. 
but I don't know what it is. And if it's from like just my entire life breast being like on TV and thrown in my face and it's just trained me to look at them, but it's almost like a reaction to just sort of look in that area. And I don't, I'm not proud of it, but I think most other guys, it's just not to say you can't help it. Cause that sounds like some like rape apologist garbage answer, <laughs> but it's almost like in my brain to look there and it's terrible. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just had to get like, cause I've never actually asked any guys about that. I was like, you know what? I have to find out. I have to ask. And then I'm like, I have to ask him. I've got to ask him. And it, it kind of makes sense. But like, and it's as, terrible. as like a girl, I don't look down there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like it's completely different. And yet I think it's also an instinctual thing. It's just, it's built within us. And it's just, I don't know. I just feel like men and women are so different in that, in that area. And it's, yeah. it's kind of fascinating in a way, but also feeling that way, like being put on the spot. On, what? Totally. Know, it's just like, really? <laughs> but you know what it is? It's sort of this like, I don't know, duality where I, in my brain, can be like a disgusting, filthy pig, but I'm not at all. I'm, you know, like you said, and I, not just because I have a wife and kids, but I, I truly am like in my heart, like a good guy. But I'm still a complete hornball who just adores women and loves their bodies and loves everything about them and just can't help but stare. Like if I'm on the beach and there's a woman or I don't care any woman, like I will just, I just like, I don't like check out guys. Like you said, I'm, I'm not into them, but with a woman, I, I just, I don't know what it is. It's terrible. I should probably go to therapy. <laughs> Somebody shrink my head. <laughs> no, no, no. Cause that would be taking away who you truly are. That's true. That's, that's true. That's not what we're about. And I don't act on these impulses, you know, I mean, like you look at someone and you look away and I don't know, and, and that's the end of it. But it's just, like I said, maybe it's just from millions of years and, or is it from being breastfed? My mom breastfed me till I was 18. So that might have something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be it. That's a joke. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, and my wife breastfeeds now. Uh, we have a two-year-old, which she'll still breastfeed her like at, at night and to put her to sleep sometimes. And so my wife's, her boobs are always out. Always. And even my own wife's breasts, wife's breasts, who I've seen for a hundred years, I still love them. And I still look at them every time she pulls them out. Like I know they're completely desexualized right now. Those are food. I'm staring <laughs> at my daughter's food, but I can't help it. It's, it's still hot to me. Well, that's pretty cool though, that, you know, you've been in such something for so long and you just seem still like truly happy, even, you know, in your shows and you're talking about her and it's just like you're completely in love with her, and I love that. It's oh, such thanks. a cool feeling because you don't see people together for that long anymore. You just don't. And it's sad. It's definitely sad. It's like I didn't expect myself to be where I am at this point. But, sure. you know, it's things work out in a weird ways, and people stick with each other for certain reasons. And, we got lucky. Uh, I mean, I got married young. I, I, I think I was 23 or four and she was 23. And, you know, we were right out of college. And I think a lot of times when you get married that young, you either grow together or you just grow apart. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're the 23-year-old me and the 33-year-old me were totally different. And if I met my wife now as this Dan and as this Nicole, who's to say if we would even get along? I, I, I don't know. Like you... You meet each other at a certain time and we just kind of brought the best out in each other. And as every year went by, we just kept doing that. And when I would change, she thankfully would change with me and we just sort of kept each other going. But if at any point, I think, you know, plenty of couples, one person goes right and one goes left. And that's just what happens. And like we kind of said at the beginning of the show, you, you kind of have to make a choice to write it out. And hopefully you kind of both get back on the same path. But sometimes you just can't. You got you to gotta move on. Yeah, yeah, definitely hard because, like, I would have been married, uh, let me see, 13 years if I would have stayed married the first time. Wow. 13 years. It was, uh, I was 24. Yeah, I was 24 years old, out of college, and uh, we were just too different. I was, like, he was my first serious relationship. I was his first serious relationship. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. It was a comfort thing. We were best sure. friends before, and it kind of just fell into it. I remember the first time he kissed me before he was my boyfriend. 
Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I was terrified. I was terrified. (laughs) And uh, it was at a sweet 16. And I went with him as a friend and he had this loud car. It was a Chevelle, a 69 Chevelle, I think it was. And you could see like through the bottom, there was a hole in the bottom of the car. So you could could see the street, you know, I remember that. That's definitely something I remember. And I remember him kissing me, just like going for it. And he was this six foot two guy and I'm like five foot three. I was like, oh my God, what's coming? (laughs) (laughs) And he, he had such a thing for me and I had no idea. And then I remember my lips were sore the next day, like red, sore. Huh. I avoided him. And then, you know, we ended up, I was like, hey, I'll try this. <laughs> Why not? Right. And uh, we ended up getting married. And then I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do? You know? Yeah. It was like a, it was a comfort best friend didn't want to hurt the person kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I was very much known for just trying to people please a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, got out of that. Not doing that anymore. Good. But, uh, As you shouldn't. Yeah. Please yourself, right? Oh, absolutely. That's all I'm about now. And, Good. Uh, it just, it's so much better. So much better. Yeah, and it's not about being selfish. I mean, I think parents especially fall into this trap where they think, oh my God, I got to give everything to my kids until I have nothing left for myself. And then you hate your kids and you resent them because you feel like they ruined your life. And But if you're happier because you spend time on yourself, your kids are going to be happier yeah. and they're going to do better. So it's it's a weird fallacy, I think, that parents fall into all the time. Yeah, it's so true. And it's just like you don't want your life to suck because then you're that example for them and how they should be doing when they're getting older. And yeah, uh, yeah you, don't, you don't want your kids doing that to themselves either. You want to give them the best life that you possibly can and through example is the best way. You know, right. sometimes daddy needs his time and mommy needs their time and you need to be staying away. <laughs> totally. It's and important. It's, yeah, it really, really is. But um, we're coming on an hour here already. I can't believe it. Oh, wow. Yeah. But um, just tell us tell us more. Um, maybe about like another five minutes we'll chat. But okay. um, just tell me a little bit more about your show so people can sort of understand like how you got started with it, that kind of thing. And um, sure. then we'll wrap it up and, you know, I'll put the link for everyone to find. And, you know, I'm always sharing it anyway. And I've yeah, pushed I it on many that. people because I'm like, you need to listen to this guy's fucking riot. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> You're you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it's called Save It For The Show. And like you said, saveitforthishow.com. And I, I'm not a comedian. You know, I'm, I'm just like, I went to journalism school. I, I work in advertising. But I always did like to make my friends laugh. And I wasn't even like a class clown or something like that. But I do like to get a rise out of people. And I, I grew up in Las Vegas. And there's, there's a lot of Mormon people that live in Las Vegas. And kind of looking back on my life, I did have a couple good Mormon friends. And I would love to tell them stories of me hooking up with people. And they loved it too because they couldn't. You know, they, <laughs> they were lucky if they got to hold hands. And I would, you know, tell them, you know, at the time, like, oh, some girl touched my dick, like stories like that. And I would love to get a rise out of them. And that never really ended. And even in the office, uh, one day I was at a Christmas party, I don't know, 10 years ago. And all the wives were there and the husbands. And they're like, oh, Dan's the gross guy in the office. (laughs) And I said, what? They said, yeah, yeah, you're like known as the gross guy. And it really took me back. And I thought to myself, you know what? Fine. I'm the gross guy, and I'll just revel in that. And I don't know why, but then I guess like four years ago or so, I thought, let me try a podcast. Let me just put out there kind of these stories and these things that I've been telling people all these years. And I joke that my work ethic is actually what makes the show popular, not necessarily the humor of it, because I just never stopped. And like you said, four years, uh, my 200th episode will be coming up here in a few weeks, but I just kept doing it every week and got better at it. And I used to interview people and kind of fell away from that. And then my brother-in-law moved to town and him and I really hit it off. And we, our wives are married and he comes over once a week and we just sit down and we make each other laugh. And I I try to make him laugh and make him uncomfortable. And, and we just put it out there every week. Yeah, it's awesome. I just, uh, his laugh is like famous. It's just funny. (laughs) He loves to laugh at everything. <laughs> he really does. And I've had a couple of people write in to say that his name's Eddie, that Eddie is lying or that it's like a fake laugh. Which I think is I heard you say crazy. that on one of them. Yeah, that is crazy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny. 
And uh, I remember, I, like I said, I went back and I started listening to the oldest shows. Like the very first episode, actually, it was maybe yesterday or the day before. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> when yeah. you first got on, you really had no idea. You had all this stuff going on in the background. Your wife's texting you. I was like, that was terrible. <laughs> and at first, I was like, why am I still listening to this? All right, I'm going to keep going. And it was yeah. like, you were on like, I think, six minutes. It was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to I'm gonna keep listening to this. I know this has got to get better. <laughs> There's something there. Like, I know a lot of people erased that first show, but I kept that show. And I also kept one time, Eddie and I got so drunk, like blackout, awful, sloppy drunk, and did a show. Because that's the other thing. We get accused a lot of doing the show drunk, which is, I've never, ever done the show drunk. And that, except for that one show. And it's so bad. It is just the worst, but I kept it on. Because I feel like now, you know, two out of 200 shows that are just awful, it's kind of fun to have them up there. And then for people that really are into the show, it's, it's definitely not the first one to check out. Do not listen to the first show <laughs> first. But it's fun that it's there. And listen, nothing will ever be as bad. That's kind of what I joke to say. Those are the two worst shows that we will ever, ever do, even if we bomb. But you know what? It's nice to go back and listen and hear the progression in the show. Yeah. And that's how I like I like listening to my shows because I actually do listen to my shows when I get a chance because I like to see how it's changed and even you know in in just being comfortable in what you're saying like you seemed very awkward the first time which is normal right and sure. the sound was off and everything was going on in the background and uh, you just it seemed like you just didn't know what the fuck to talk about and you're just rambling on. And it was just, it was a riot, and it just got, and then I listened to the second one, I think it was up to like the sixth one, I just kept going and going and going, because you know nice. how when someone finds the show, they start at the end, and they kind of, they don't go back that far, but when right. you have almost 200 episodes, that's going to take you a while, so um, it's nice to listen to the most recent ones, and then go back and listen, and that's what I do with a lot of different shows, because I'm definitely a podcast junkie, I love to listen to shows, especially when I know people, I've talked to them, I've interviewed them. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. It's it's nice to get to really know them. That's why I like podcasts because they're so like personal. They're so intimate. You feel like you really know that person. Like when they're you're they're in your ears, you feel like you almost want to just start talking out loud to them. Yeah, it is really personal. You're you're totally right. And I, I try really hard. Like like you say with your show, I don't edit it at all. But I definitely every week when I sit down, I've gotten pretty good about knowing when a story is going to be good. Is it this getting boring? Do we need to move on? And I really do try really hard. So even those old shows, there's there's good stories and there's lots of weird stuff back there too. <laughs> so they're they're worth digging into. Yeah, they really are. It's like almost like gold that you didn't know was even there. There you yeah. go. I like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't know if you've listened to it or recently, but you should check it out again. <laughs> yes, please check it out. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so cool. So thanks for jumping on with me. This is so much fun. My pleasure. Uh, being able to dig into your head and, um, you know, I'll continue to share your show because I love it. It's just so Thank different you. from everything that I listen to. And I even feel like, all right, you know, the, the crowd that I'm in with all the coaches and everything, I'm like, you know what? These people could really use it sometimes because entrepreneurs are just super stressed at certain points and to stop what they're doing and just to put on something that's going to make their, you know, make them just laugh is something that we need so much. So, um, yeah. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that very much. Definitely don't stop anytime soon or ever. <laughs> Thank you. I won't. That's the vote of confidence I need. I, I do appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. So, uh, cool. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, I'll let you know when this is going to go up. Hopefully okay. Sometime this month, because like I said, I wasn't really planning on doing any more shows and I just can't stop myself. No, nah, it's addicting, like you said. Well, let me know. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll certainly share it and, and do all that. And when it's out, I'll talk about it on that show, like that week or whenever. So just give me a heads up. Absolutely. Definitely will. Cool. Well, thank you for having me. This is fun. I don't get asked very often to be on other shows. So this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it definitely was. Definitely was. And it's nice to talk to a guy rather than because I talk to women all the time. Not bad. That's not a bad thing. Just sure, uh, sure, sure. nice to have a different opinion because <laughs> men have very different opinions. And that's what I like to hear. Yeah, good, good. Well, I'm glad you asked me. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. All right, Lauren. Enjoy camping. Thank you. Okay, Take bye. care. Bye.